Why does Street Fighter V make us so much more salty than other entries in the Street Fighter franchise? Plus, we discuss the fact that Sagat and G are both already getting more tournament playtime than the previous Season 3 characters, Cell got some big ol' nerfs in Dragon Ball Z, Bandai Namco may be preparing to become the head honcho in fighting games, and more on today's episode of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect! And happy whatever day of the week it is for you. For us, it's Tuesday as we kick off yet another Event Hubs podcast. I, as always, am John Velociraptor Guerrero, my co-host, El Presidente, John Catalyst Gray. How are you doing on this lovely Tuesday? Yeah, I'm, I'm hanging in there, uh, but uh, jury duty is kind of kicking my butt right now. And not my jury duty, <laughs> but Dream King actually got called in for it. And uh, I, I'm in a, a different place in L.A. here. I'm up in Northern California, and uh, Steven's down in L.A. And we've kind of found out that like the rules for L.A. are pretty weird when it comes to jury duty because they have this whole philosophy of maybe we're going to call you in and maybe we won't. So go ahead and stand by your phone for five days and hope like, you know, and just kind of figure it out on your own type. Thing. I lived so. in LA for three and a half years and just, to, I mean, there are some great people and some great opportunities and fun things to do, but that place is so ass backwards in so many ways. <laughs> There's not enough parking, which actually Dream King sent me a few texts this morning saying when he got called in, uh, there was no parking for the jurors and most of them were super late and he happened to show up early, so he was okay. But uh, it's just like, it's it's so much chaos and craziness. And, and all you know is that after all of whatever it is you're trying to do is over with, you're probably going to have a ticket on your car somewhere and you're probably not going to be having a great day afterwards. Uh, yeah, but the, none of their systems make any sense to me. Yeah, yeah. We, we just want to cue our readers into to that, like, uh, process and whatnot, because Dream King has been gone basically since, uh, like, two, Thursday last week, and all of his work is falling on us, and now we're all, you know, complaining about it, like, ah, like, I don't <laughs> want to do this crap, you know, and uh, and so, yeah, but he's going to be back pretty soon, but he's been listening to the pod. He's like, dude, like, the pod is the only thing getting me through this, and we're like, hey, <laughs> at least we can, you know, do something for the people type thing, but uh, but yeah, so. <laughs> anyway, but uh, we also had, like, right before we are recording this pod, like, we had a, a costumes break on the website uh, for Street Fighter Five, and it's a damn funniest thing ever, because... Of, of all stories that we put up on the site, like costumes can be the number one thing, like even over character announcements, like our readers go crazy over costumes. And that's how come we've gotten into like doing like these, you know, fashion police type stories and whatnot, like who wore it best type thing. Like we're a fighting game website and yet our readers eat up like the fashion aspect of, of fighting games. Like, I don't know why, but, but can, yeah. can we talk just for a quick second about what, what theme are these costumes supposed to be following? Because at first I'm like, oh, Mika's like a Playboy-esque bunny. And then, and then, um, what is it? There's like a nurse, there's like the Playboy bunny, there's a maid, and then I don't know what the heck Falk's supposed to be. I guess Nick, uh, Majinton Shinhan had a, a little bit of an input there and kind of clarified it for it. But I have, uh, what, what connects all of these except for like they could be potential sexy Halloween costumes? Yeah, that's that's the one tie that they have in there. Like, <laughs> we we sat there for a good like twenty minutes talking about these costumes and trying to figure out what it is. And then uh, when you punch in some terms into Google in terms of like made and then like you know maybe Russian or something like that, <laughs> you get porn really quickly, like tons of porn just coming in. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm not gonna like continue this search anymore. And so we kind of just gave up on it and we're like, uh, here are some costumes that the characters are wearing, and we're gonna use super generic terms because we don't know what else to put in here uh but yeah yeah so 
Good that's times. kind of that's a, yeah that's a day in the life of event hubs we do a lot of costumes and we sometimes don't know what the hell we're talking about but moving right along <laughs> some some developers at evo 2018 they were recording matches uh and bringing them back to their um uh developer outlets you know whatever you want to call those and basically getting uh, feedback from users that way um not only by like your surveys and other things but just kind of seeing what what players are using and, you know, they put combos, they put moves and stuff in game. And then when it gets into player's hand, you never know, like, how they're going to use those tools. And I remember one of the stories actually about uh, Vanilla Sagat, Street Fighter Four, how Capcom knew that he had, like, his trades into Ultra. And, you know, they, they had a really stupid, like, you know, what was it? Like, forward heavy kick, forward heavy kick, like, DP Ultra or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I forget the... It just did, he like... You would do heavy po- DP and you would trade because it wasn't invincible, but it would trade. And so yeah. he would immediately be reset and then he could do forward heavy kick and that would juggle you again and then i think he could just go straight into ultra or maybe it was two forward heavy kick something like that and then he would go into ultra and uh, it was ridiculous damage on top of some other stuff that he had that were his, his rush down pressure and things like that it was goofy yeah, and Capcom actually confirmed that they knew that. Like, it's just stupid beyond belief that was even in the game. It's like you should not be rewarded for trading, you know, with on an anti-air, or like especially with like 700 billion damage. Um, but they, they knew about that, and they left it in the game because they, they thought like Sagat needed that tool. And anyone who played, you know, Vanilla Street Fighter 4 realizes that Sagat needed no extra tools and what he had kind of thing. He was uh, not quite broken, but damn, he was not far removed from that. And anyway, so the developers, you know, they, they, they have some idea of how this stuff is going to work. But when it finally gets to the player's hand, that's when the rubber meets the road, as they say. And, and so it was just interesting getting some, you know, behind the scenes stuff about like how difficult is this run one frame link to hit? you know, in an actual match, like our, our play, players using these tool sets, like we, we assume they would, um, you know, we've seen a bunch of mysterious things over the years, like with, you know, characters like freaking DJ getting nerfed, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, how, <laughs> what, why did you nerf him? You know, kind of thing. And, and yeah, you, you never know what's happening, like with the, the player sessions, uh, in terms of with the developers and kind of what they're seeing. And it was just, I thought a little nice, you know, little anecdote in terms of how they're going about stuff you know and I I personally wonder especially in you know 2018 how much developers are taking online feedback like if someone tweets at them you know kind of thing uh maybe I don't know if I want to go here but I was going to say Negan in uh Tekken 7 maybe that one person who tweeted you know Harada like hey put him in the game but I, I do wonder um I do wonder how much the developers are 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 looking at the stuff like that people say online to them and tweeting at them and just saying, ah, we better, you know, tweak the game in this regard. As I, so we write about that kind of stuff a lot, you know, like, oh, this thing, it needs tweaking either up or down, or this decision wasn't so great. And sometimes happy to report, oh, this was a really good decision. But I do not envy the task of a developer having to balance a game um, mainly because now with social media and and everybody having a soapbox the way they do, you are getting so much information, so much feedback. A lot of it, though, is fueled by people being upset, people being salty, people having, you know, sometimes it's a means of dealing with low self-esteem and they attack a, a video game or a fighting game and stuff like that, where 
they are not motivated by actually making the game better, or they are motivated to make the game better, but their sight is so narrow and limited that their advice is not that good. And you can imagine how much bad advice comes up through these channels. And so mm -hmm. as a developer, you have the bombardment of all that, and you've got to sift through that and find the stuff that actually does check out and actually is good. And, and that, to me, is a mountainous task of sifting and, and delving into that I just don't want to have to deal with. So I'm glad that I get to sit back and say, you know, I'll just write a story and go, Cammy needs to be nerfed a little bit, guys. Yeah, or <laughs> I was just about to get into that. Like, where, where's this horde of Cammy people that are saying, hey, buff the character. She's not good <laughs> enough. Like, we need more tools. And whatnot. They've got to be out there. Like, it has to be somewhere on the internet because that's the only explanation we can come up with right now. But uh, I should yeah. also clarify, I don't necessarily think Cammy needs to be nerfed as much as maybe some other characters could just get a little bit of a buff. I don't think she's so far ahead of everybody mm -hmm. that it's breaking the game. Uh, but that's a, its own conversation for another podcast that I think we already did once or twice. So <laughs> Yeah, so actually getting into a character that was nerfed uh, recently is Cell in Dragon Ball Fighters. And one of the things now that's happened is that character was seen pretty much, I want to say, and when you went to top eight, of most major tournaments, you saw Cell maybe on 70% of the teams, something like that, 60, 70, like, you know, more than half the teams had him, basically. And that's going to happen in a in a three-character-per-person game, like, that kind of a thing. It's it's a little less significant to see Cell on every other team than it is to see Cammy on, you know, every, every player playing Cammy in Street Fighter, because you only get to choose one there. He worked with everybody, and yes, he was overpowered, but we were seeing a ton of him, to the point where... Even though it was a three-character game, it became significant. Like, guys, Cell's on half the teams in top 32 or half the teams in top 64, and he's becoming just a staple part of every team, and I don't think that that's something that you want. You can have popular characters, but to see him on, like, 70% of teams in tournament, it's like, okay, that's something that you need to pay attention to and address, and I think Bandai Namco did do so. Yeah, and uh, actually at TW Fighter Major this last weekend, we saw that there were only two uh, two teams with Cell on them. Korean Wrestling Man and Kendevu were the only people who played Cell. Uh, Goichi was there, Kazunoka was there, Aqua, Dogura, uh, Fenrich, uh, all those people were there, and none of them played Cell. And so that's actually a very big turnaround right after the patch came out. Um, now, we're not going to talk about Bardock just yet. I mean, he hasn't had his time to become the new Cell, but that, that may be coming. You know, we'll see. Uh, Vegeta is still very prevalent. Uh, you know, you're seeing a lot of you know, people out there that are, that are still very good in this game. Uh, but it, it is just nice to see, in my opinion, that, that Cell... The developers heard the feedback, and, and they've actually been very responsive with, with Dragon Ball Fighters, and just saying, "Hey, look, we're going to knock certain characters down, kind of right off, you know, maybe a couple months after they've gotten really good." And it's just it's interesting to see how reactive the developers are here. And I would I would posit that they're actually much more reactive than we're seeing from Capcom, uh, and yet they still don't fall into the realm maybe of what NRS used to be. You know, I and, and it's it's interesting to me that. NRS got so much flack for doing all the developer updates that they did. You know, people are getting really pissed off and, and you know, they've scaled that back quite a bit. And now we have Dragon Ball Fighters and, and they're updating the game pretty often. I mean, it came out, what, in, in January and we've seen maybe uh, three, four, five, somewhere around there, balance changes to the game. I think there's been two major balance changes and then a few just really minute ones. Mm-hmm. 
and, and so it's it's interesting that uh, it's it's funny we were this is probably an episode or another podcast episode that we should get into at some point but the amount of goodwill that Dragon Ball Fighters has in the community is pretty phenomenal and I mean it's well deserved the game is fantastic I, I can't knock the game at all but just the amount of complaining and, and usually what we see from from the community it's like you know you get Tekken you get Street Fighter you get Mortal Kombat up there and people are like ah I, I these games just you know why why are the developers ruining them and whatnot but this is like you know brand new kind of approach and everyone's so on board and that like the the happy-go-lucky feeling with the game really hasn't gone away uh people are just generally very hype about it and like accepting of whatever the developers want to do yeah a good relationship with their audience and with their fans and kind of like you were getting at amidst the backdrop of the other big games and big titles like street fighter and and to a little bit lesser extent i think mortal kombat and maybe tekken it's not too hard to look good when people are so distracted and constantly talking about how they're not happy with their relationship with those developers. So Dragon Ball Fighters kind of comes in and says, hey, here's an easy home run. I'll just clean up and, and just do the basics, acknowledge and and acknowledge my, my fan base. We'll move forward. Not expected to be perfect, but hey, it's if, if they're going to let me do this and it's going to be easy, it might as well. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I agree. And so on the subject of Bandai Namco, they're also working on a network improvement service division type thing. Like they're spinning off a part of their company and actually focusing those resources strictly on improving a game's online infrastructure. And someone, you know, in the comments, of course, put me on blast for mentioning the word netcode. And they're like, it doesn't say netcode. I'm like, well, they talk about dramatically improving the online experience of all of their games. I don't know like how that doesn't equate to netcode in there somewhere. You know, if you're looking at every aspect of it, so maybe it's netcode, maybe it's like I don't know, something else, but regardless, uh they they had a partnership with Capcom back in 2017 to improve their their matchmaking. And Street Fighter 5 is or Street Fighter, I should say, is specifically named in there in, in the deal. And since that time, uh mid 2017, like basically it's gone radio silence. Like we don't know if that stuff was implemented in Street Fighter Five or like what happened with it. Um, but it was, you know, about a year later that that Bandai Namco announced the service that, that's coming out here in October. So the the question kind of becomes like Bandai Namco is so heavily involved in pretty much every fighting game, like every top fighting game, like Bandai Namco's like Oh yeah, we've got at least a toe in the water over there. You know, obviously they work with uh, Arxis on Dragon Ball Fighters. They've got Tekken. Uh, their relationship with Capcom's very close. They have it's a good Soul relationship. Caliber. Yeah, and uh, they they work with uh, the Smash Brothers series with Nintendo, and then they have uh, Geese Howard in Tekken Seven, and so they clearly have a good relationship with uh, SNK even. So it's their their mm-hmm. hands are mm-hmm. I should say their toes are in so many uh, ponds of water of these other companies, and you kind of wonder if they they course, might. Yeah standardize and make a great approach for kind of like online fighting games. Uh, they're a great company. I mean, Bandai Namco is just incredible with what they do. Uh, I mean, they're, they're great. So why not like kind of standardize all of online, all approaches and say like, look, every game now is, you know, it's, it's what people wanted to see with GGPO. And to some degree that happened, but it was like kind of like everyone wanted to do, I guess, their own flavor of rollback netcode. And I'm hoping basically Bandai Namco steps in and says, hey, we've got the best here that you're going to find in fighting games. We've structured this from the ground up to be, um, you know, the fighting game netcode that you should use. You can adapt it and use it however you want to, but like start with this as a base. And so I don't know if that's what's going on. I'm hoping it is because it makes the most sense and it's something that they can sell and kind of market to all the companies that they work with at that point. And so 
I don't know if we're on, you know, maybe the, the precipice of, of better net play kind of across the board and a better standard, but just where fighting games are at compared to like, you know, shooter games or, or pretty much any other genre that, that I've played online, it's like they feel a bit behind the times just in terms of how the technology works and like how legless and, and the experience should be. And I don't think it's going to be overly hard to get fighting games up to that that next level type thing uh, again i get that a shooter game is different than a fighting game i get that reaction times and other stuff are so important in fighters but it just feels like we could level up kind of like as a as a genre as a whole and that's what i'm hoping for with this you know on that um, similar ballpark with bandai they also use unreal engine similar to um, well they should say the same as street fighter 5 with Tekken 7 and they yep. also had input lag and they put the time and the effort into and, and I hear that it's no simple process to rectify whatever it is I don't understand the intricacies but it's a very complicated process that takes a lot of time a lot of man hours and a lot of money to fix that input lag and they did that on their end um, and we haven't seen that from Capcom despite that being probably the number one complaint at least the one that still stands today about their game Bandai Namco showed that, you know, we'll put down the money and the time and the manpower to to rectify this because, well, maybe because they saw so many people complaining about it with Street Fighter and they said, I don't want to go into that realm. I don't want to deal with that as well. But they did that. And so, yeah, I think that they're starting to, they are poised to possibly take over fighting games and be the torchbearer and the, the main name associated with fighting games in general, whereas that's been Capcom for uh, pretty much for forever starting with Street Fighter 2, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's just, it's about these companies working together. That's all they really need to do. It's like, okay, you know, Bandai Namco is going to charge you, you know, I'm just going to pull a number out of thin air, I don't know, but like a million dollars to license their technology. And now you can put that into your game, they'll give you tech support. It's like, okay, now your approach is standardized. Like, you don't have to spend months or years trying to perfect your own online systems or, or do anything like that. Bandai Namco has that taken care of for you. You pay them a licensing fee, which is probably going to be cheaper than hiring your own staff, and it's probably not going to turn out as well as what they've done. Why not just use them? Mm -hmm. You know, kind of, and that's that's what I'm hoping that, you know, the, the fighting game community goes with their games in the future. And it's why I'm so happy that Bandai Namco is the company powering this. Uh, no offense to Capcom or Nintendo or NetherRealm Studios or anyone like that, but this company works with everyone. They have a great history here. Um, they have a great team of developers. They just a lot of synergy going on. And I, again, I, I I've been singing Bandai Namco's praises here a lot on the podcast. I will continue to do it. They just they keep making these big positive waves in the community. I'm just thrilled with what they're doing. Yeah, can't argue against it. And that. That brings it to a new light, at least for me, and I, I bet a lot of people listening, that's exciting, you know, and the potential that, that you're laying out here from this company is is something to look forward to. So I'll keep my, uh, I guess, my ear to the ground and my eyes on the Twitter and all those kind of stuff and, and look forward to big moves from Bandai in the hopefully near future. So another subject near and dear to both of our hearts is uh, season three characters. And we are actually seeing for the first time, as far as I know, uh, uh, season three characters making a big impact in tournaments. And we had TW Fighter Major happen this last weekend. And we had uh, Nemo uh, play. He, he was mainly, mainly using uh, Yurian, but he played G a good bit too. And uh, Bonchan, of course, was playing Sagat. That was his main for that tournament. And then with Topanga, which started up here today, uh, we had both players, and we just ran a story about this too, uh, using their brand new characters. Um, both of them went 3-0 and in the online portion here. Uh, uh, Nemo again with G and Bonchan with Sagat. And it's like, okay, like 
we're on to something here. Like, I, I think we finally have our breakthrough characters for the year, uh, or for the season, I should say. And I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed not to see Cody up there. I still think he's a good character, and I, I think a lot of this has to do more so with just Bonchan being incredible. But again, we're, we're, we're seeing some breakthroughs here. Well, and, uh, and it's encouraging, if it were only Sagat there would be room for argument that says, yeah, well, everyone wants to play this character, and you have Bonchan, who's an amazing player, but it's only him so far, and things like that, where you go, the the fire may die out, and it's just only going because of the legacy of the character, but you also have G, who is absolutely brand new, and we're seeing a lot of play from him, both online and in the professional realm with Nemo and, and others. And, and I've seen it in my locals, too. I saw a couple of players playing G speci- like exclusively in, in our tournament that we had last weekend. And I played Sagat a few times um, to varying degrees of success. But the point is, people are inspired to play both of these new characters, one of which is brand new and one of which is Sagat. And that's very encouraging. It seems like Capcom really read up and, and adjusted their approach here for these guys. And they are good enough to at least prompt players to use them in these high uh, stakes situations where they're like, yeah, I want to win. I'm, I'm here to win first and foremost. And I'm still going to give these guys here two or three weeks out of the gate a chance. That's really saying something. We'll see, you know, time will tell where, how their stories actually play out. I don't think there's any question that G's potential is through the roof and he's going to have the tools to be a very legitimate character as he stands right now. Sagat more on the fence, but we're seeing some really good things with Bonchan using him against Tokido of all players and winning a game and then arguably only losing the set because he wasn't polished enough and who could fault him for not being polished, you know, two weeks out of the gate. Uh, he made Sagat look as though he could be potentially the best player in the world, if not, you know, top two, top three player in the world um, in tournament so with that you know going forward that's going to inspire a lot of people to continue to delve into the character maybe some other people that were on the fence to pick them up and and see what they can do with them but the point and i think the the major takeaway from all oh, john yeah. be- before you before you jump in i just wanted to ask actually I-, I didn't have a chance to watch the set so for viewers at home can you talk a little bit more about the set like and how bonchan kind of approached it like what happened basically yeah I- i'd have to go back and watch again to give you a thoroughly detailed um analysis of it i only watched it like twice or so and, and that was a little while ago but the general, you know, the general consensus was he he played the he played the zoning game, and it might have been Tokido's fault. And and you have to acknowledge also that people aren't used to playing against these characters a ton, so mm-hmm. they're going to have some hesitations in their own right, and that's going to work for the new characters as well. But Tokido kind of played a fireball game with Sagat, which. You can argue that Akuma very well may be able to do that, especially with a three-hitting fireball, you know, if he uses the red one and such. But that wasn't really working for him too much. I would imagine the approach with Sagat, especially if you're playing Akuma, would be to rush down and get in there as much as possible. Tokido didn't seem to do that all that much, and I think that really worked for Bonchan. Um, but it was very much a, a fireballs and uppercuts kind of thing. And then he dropped a few <laughs> opportunities where he didn't, like, optimize things off of, like, a... Uh, V-trigger cancel, things like that, that could have swung things in an an entirely different direction and saw him actually win the set, possibly even in a 2-0 fashion. But uh, it was it was very much you know a Sagat that you're expecting. Like I said, fireballs and uppercuts. And then when he gets close, he's got his block strings and such. And of course, Bonchan's going to be very good with that. 
Another thing that I've seen Bonchan do that kind of separates him from most other Sagats that you're seeing uh, right away is his ability to score like single jabs into DPs or into like tiger knees and things like that, like light moves into DP. Um, these quick little combos, but you can use them as punishes or you can use them in specific areas and distances where Sagat's very slow, other normals aren't going to work. Um, there's a lot of potential for this character, for him to score bits of damage here and there outside of just the traditional fireballs and uppercuts approach that he's very good at, but that's where a lot of the focus on this character is going. And hmm. uh, Bonchan's showing some potential for other avenues where he's not going to be like a rushdown character, but he might have a little more potential than we're realizing or that we're giving him credit for. And it's going to be those little things that if we're sitting on the fence about him right now as to being viable and good and not just a worse guile, uh, th those might be the things that, that tip the scale in his favor, stuff like that. So again, a lot to uncover, but rounding this all back to the main point, people are excited to do this uncovering and they're getting results mm -hmm. and they're getting uh, enough of an opportunity with these characters being cool and fun and viable in their gameplay that they're going to continue to purchase them. They're going to continue to play them and delve into them. And that's not what we saw as much of, not to the degree that we would want to see with those first three and maybe fourth characters in the season thus far. So like you say, it, this is definitely the highlight of the season DLC thus far. And I'm looking forward to seeing, well, if Capcom figured it out with these two, when we see something of a balance update, maybe they'll be able to give these previous characters something that makes people return to them. A little bit harder of a task than doing it right right out of the uh, right off the bat, but better late than never. And maybe we'll see people return and, and really figure out what Falk can do. Uh, really figure out, or or maybe they'll make Sakura worth playing. And and not even just that, they'll make her worth playing, and they'll they'll make her in such a way that people can see that she's worth playing. Because even if she's, a, maybe she's the best character in the game, we just haven't figured that out yet. But we'll never know if people don't play no, her. No, she's, she's not <laughs> the best character. Yeah, there's a... The point is, I'll, I'll you have it. to inspire people to play these characters. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and even if Sagat turns out to be meh, he's really just meh, people will be inspired to figure that out and we'll be able to, you know, you know, with a much more certain stamp of we have we have delved through, we've looked at every nook and cranny, and we can confidently say this is where the character is. Or with Falk, I'm like, yeah, but maybe. Maybe the, there's something we don't know about her. Maybe she's, you know, I, I don't feel like we've given her enough time. And that's kind of yeah. a tragedy to me. Yeah, again, I mean, just to talk about Falk real quick, I, it's, it's just hard to play her when Minot is in the game. It's it's why why would you pick a why are you version? gonna play Ryu when Akuma's around you know yeah yeah and and that's where you get into defining characteristics in these games like you need to give characters a, an overpowered or great move that it just stands out to the crowd basically it's like it's as much as I complain about Abigail like I get why people love playing the character it's just those big guard breaking heavy punches and if you flinch like you you've just you know eaten seven hundred damage to the face like. That's a big appeal to play the character, and it's it's why Abigail is not another, you know, forgive me, but T-Hawk or Zangief or something like that. He's he's his own unique special character because those moves that he does actually mean something. And you look at someone like Falk and you go, okay, like, what's her defining characteristic? Like, what does she have that's, like, so great that you go, oh, okay, yeah. Like, you know, and, and I get it's, like, her staff, and it's a staff with, like, a, a hurt box on it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine, I, I, but it needs to yeah. it needs to outweigh it needs to outweigh her 
lack of ability in other avenues. It needs to be fun to play with. You know, um, I I don't know if that's so fine. I'm like I'm having serious flashbacks right now to a gentleman who posted a um, a photo of him like you know fighting with a cane and like someone hit the cane and he like fell over on the ground and it was like KO'd and stuff like that. Like we we're always uh, we're, we're kind of passing that one around the our Skype channel and whatnot, and laughing about it. And uh, well, yeah, well I, weapons yeah. have had hitboxes in in fighting games, including Street Fighters, before, haven't right. they? So like, uh, yeah, it, it does depend on the game, but yeah. I mean, it's it's similar to Dalsum and having his limbs have hitboxes, and I don't think I think that's very easy to balance that idea. It's a little bit weird to think, well, if I hit your stick, I'm hitting you, but eh, whatever, you know. Like it's it's I have a really far reach, and then the the risk of having that reach is that you can also hit me if you time your and space your attacks correctly, and it's still going to be in her favor if she's got that kind of reach. You're going to have to hit her overextension. So like I think that that makes total sense it just in that interaction like the the staff that defines her you know and at least in no small way needs to be fun to use and intriguing and needs to to have a payoff and right now it's like i don't see why that would be particularly fun and looking at her usage statistics and such the general sentiment of the community is kind of in that boat as well yeah and i that i mean to me it's an easy fix i mean you get a character a staff it's like it's like giving Vega, you know, his claw and being like, okay, well, you don't really use his claw. It's like, what? It's like, that's like, he has a freaking claw. Like, I mean, you're going to stab someone with it. Like, people think it's unfair just like on the surface that, hey, everyone's fighting with their fist and this dude has a freaking claw, you know, kind of thing. And that's where Falk, you know, she's got a staff, you know, it's like, I don't know what the rules of Street Fighter, you know, are, you know, like why some people get to have weapons and other people don't like it's, it's kind of awesome. But if you give a character a weapon, like it should be one of their defining characteristics. Like they should be very heavily based around that. And with Falk, it's like, I don't, I don't know what they were thinking. Like, what were they thinking? You know, to, to quote the angry video game nerd. Yeah. Um, but anyway, moving along here a little bit, because I, I, unfortunately, Falk, I, I think that at this point in time, I, I personally feel she's a lost cause because it, it's, there are characters who do what she does a lot better. And, and again, I, it goes back to me with a payoff of, yeah, I could put in a bunch of time with this character and I could do really well with her, but like the payoff is going to be less than than anything else. And it's like the stuff she does just doesn't stand out. Yeah, enough, I don't blame people know? for not using her, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway, uh, I, I will go back to uh, Topanga here and just mention because people are going to be like, hey, you know, Yurio and, and Nishikin, they were playing Sakura and Blanca, respectively. Like, how come you guys are talking about that? And so far, both players have gone 0-1. Uh, they both lost their matches with the characters. Uh, that did, They didn't look particularly impressive. Like, you know, the tech they show is good. You know, I love seeing these characters in the hands of very top-end players. Uh, Yurio is a, a Topanga veteran. Uh, Nishikin's been in there a few times. Uh, Yurio played uh, Sakura back in Street Fighter 4 days and also C. Viper, great player, very terrific player. I don't know what kind of time he's been putting in in this modern era, uh, but it is it is cool to see him with the character. Again, I hope these guys do massive damage. Uh, everyone loves an underdog, especially with a character that you've never seen before. If they can get in there and do some stuff, great, but I'm just... I'm so skeptical with these two characters. Uh, and yeah, so they're there. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about them just yet. We'll be watching Topanga very closely, as we always do, trying to see what's going on there. But but so far, uh, not much to report on. So. Yeah, so they're there. And I mean, that that's that's good in and of itself that they're at least trying these out. But if Nishikin and who's the other one? Yurio? Yurio, yeah. Take these characters in and really give them a run at Topanga and just come up completely empty. I think that's going to do more um, in the way of, you know, being an argument against these characters and continuing this narrative than anything else. 
I agree. So uh, I, I touched on this a little bit before, and now we're going to get kind of the, the heart of the podcast here and, and talk about what makes us salty. And it's not just me dialoguing about Abigail for 45 minutes here. Um, I, was, I was out on a walk uh, like I usually do. Like I, I love to walk. Uh, I listen to podcasts a lot. Um, and, and I'll just, you know, go around my neighborhood and I'll, I'll walk for like three or four or five hours. Well, not that long, my goodness, but about two or three hours, like maximum, uh, quite a long time. And I'll like, I'll go on my phone and just type notes like the entire time. And it just, it helps me process stuff. It's, it's what I do. Uh, but I was out there walking and these two kids, like I had no idea they were racing on their bikes. And, and all of a sudden, like they, like one of the kids like stopped and he was just so pissed off. Like, I mean, he was incredibly mad that like he lost the race and I'm like, holy crap, like this is me playing Street Fighter Five. Like, this is what I look like. <laughs> and I just kind of went back to that. I'm like, oh, and I'm like, just like kind of completely irrational, like, ah, you know, why, why did I lose? Kind of thing. Like, you know, you you had a head start and, you know, like you should have, like, and I'm like, ooh, and I'm like, we should really talk about this on the pod because it's one thing to, to get salty about a game. It's another to kind of be irrational and really stupid about it, like how I am sometimes. And, and I kind of wanted to direct people to a little bit more of like unpacking why this game is the emotional roller coaster that it is and, and kind of like what to kind of do to avoid that. And, and yeah, so for me, this starts off with ignorance of all things. And it comes down to like the game shouldn't be like that. It's stupid. Um, we all have some pride and ego here. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a pretty hardcore FGC player. And and when you lose and you feel like it's not justified, when you feel like the game has has wronged you or the game is wrong to begin with, like you get really mad about that. That is something that will will trigger you and trigger most people. And so I actually go back here to to ignorance, kind of being like one of the top end things that. The game has not been out for that long, and us unpacking this at a high level has just really started to begin. And, and people forget that, like with Street Fighter 3, Street Fighter 4, we had so many years, uh, decades to unpack these games almost now, I guess with Street Fighter 4, uh, that that was working in our favor, you know, kind of thing. And, and, and I should say a decade, not decades. But it, with that kind of like corporate knowledge that you take with you, like when you hit a wall, it's so easy for someone to like, you know, see what wall you've hit and be like, hey, like, you know, Jim, like, you know, you you got hit by like an overhead there. Like, you know, you need to, you know, guard your guard your noggin, you know, tech your throws, do all this kind of stuff. It's so much easier for people to point the way for you and, and not get stuck in a rut of like, I don't know what to do. And with Street Fighter V, that corporate knowledge in the community has not been built yet. And there's a lot of, of lack of, of understanding of what is going on in this game, what is happening in the meta. And again, people are very quick, and I saw this with Street Fighter Four with Street Fighter Three players, that they're like, this game just sucks. This game is stupid. I don't like the way it plays. I don't understand what's going on. And usually the key in there is, I don't understand. So it's... It's very important to be humble about this. It's very important to take a step back and realize that you don't understand everything that's going on. Uh, one of the things I'll cite here is Tyrant and Pax. They have a YouTube video on there. You guys know what I feel of Abigail. I was watching their Abigail video of how to deal with the character. And they say when he gets V-Trigger 1, dash at him. And I'm like, what? I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, why would you dash at him? And then Pax shows. He's like, hey, look, like Abigail's moves, they have so much startup. Like, if you dash in, you're usually in good position for a throw. And if he hits you with one of his fast moves, he's doing like a jab. Like, he's not getting that big a damage on you. And he's like, your odds of surviving him, if you let him wind up and do his guard-breaking attacks, like, you're going to die. 
you know, you, you're, you're better off if he's trying to pressure you and do crap to you when you're in the corner and in other circumstances actually dashing right forward into his face. It's it seems really dumb on the surface and it's like, uh, why would you do that? You know, kind of thing. But that's the kind of stuff you have to you have to be humble in this game. Any new game, you have to you have to step outside yourself a bit and realize you do not know as much as you think you do. And that whole mechanic of get in the other guy's face so he can't mess you up. That is a that is a universal truth. And not only in like pro sports, um, but in war and other things like that, what is it, the phrase? Like, uh, uh, the best defense is a good offense. You know, and, and that's very much the case in Street Fighter V. Well, I think you're starting to get to what, broadly speaking, makes you a good player in Street Fighter V specifically. And that is to understand... Well, this will play across all Street Fighters and all fighting games, but uh, I'll get to why it's important, um, especially in Street Fighter V. But... To understand what your opponent's plan is based on the character they're using and if you know them, them as a player themselves and and their unique tendencies. And position yourself to counter that plan as opposed to position yourself to counter a specific move that might be coming out. Because as we've said, you know, ad nauseum about this game, it's more about uh, uh, prediction than it is reaction. And... Um, we're trying to get to why Street Fighter V makes people so salty, and we've talked about that, uh, but I, I think it's because we keep trying to put it in this realm that we've been used to of it's more about reaction than it is prediction. And prediction and reaction go hand in hand. In any fighting game that you're going to play, you need both to be good. But it's traditionally been that if you have extremely good reactions, that's one, not easy to do, and so it's revered. Mm -hmm. And two, like you can use that to trump even if you're not sure what they're going to do. Like It helps. If you know what they want to do, then you're in a much better position than if you don't. But if you're just so good at reacting that you're ready for it no matter what, then that kind of is a catch-all net that it's very difficult to be good at. But if you are, well, then people can really easily see that and, and appreciate it. And in Street Fighter V, they kind of flip it where both are still necessary, but you're still focused more so now on prediction than you are reaction. And as such, it's much harder. If you're playing the reactions game in five, you're probably going to be a detriment or that's probably going to be a detriment to your play. If your if your whole thing is based around whiff punishing, well, then your your much of your resources and your mental um, focus is going to go to that, and it's not going to be on a lot of other areas because it takes so much of your of your time and of your reserve, and then you're probably going to get opened up elsewhere. So while you're trying to play this game that's been the traditional approach, and and you're trying to focus down the avenue that's been valued the most traditionally speaking, you're getting blown up in other avenues because you just can't look that much. You can't spend that much of your mental resource on doing these traditionally good things. And if you're right. doing and, that, and this, yeah, this is where people get hung up on. This is it flies in the face of a lot of conventional knowledge that you've mm-hmm. had, and now all of a sudden, I'm pissed off because I'm good at fighting games. I I've been playing them for a long time, and this Street Fighter Five is not a fighting game that I can appreciate because it does this, and that's okay. Like you can have that that sentiment, but. If you actually care about getting better at the game, that is a really bad thought process to have because you are setting yourself back up. You're, you're now making the game the problem. You can not like the game. That's okay. 
but if the game is a problem, that system is a problem. It's like, no, it's like, look, you got to adapt to it. It's a game based more on hard reads. It's a game based more on reading your opponent's timing and approach and all that kind of stuff. But one thing I want to circle back to here, John, if you can give an example, you, you talked about like predictive and kind of preemptive moves versus like reactionary moves. And, and I think we both can agree that like reactionary moves, like a lot of whiff punishing, you know, uh, seeing basically you see a move coming, you see something coming that you can react to and, and kind of blow someone up. And if your reaction times are super fast, like that's, you know, that's what a lot of you know fighting game players got by on. Uh, Zhao Hai is like infamous for having just godlike reactions. Uh, but I, I want I wonder if you could use kind of an example of like a preemptive thing that you do in the game that that you use on a consistent basis. Like because I, I think reactions are pretty self explanatory for most people. And so when we say preemptive, are like reading someone's timing. Like what do we mean there? Well, um, I think the most obvious one is like a forward jump, because unless you're Unless you see a fireball or you or you know your opponent is stunned or they've completely done something where the entire time it takes to do a forward jump and attack is a sure fire gonna you know gonna hit, um, which is very seldom in these games. Most of the time when you're jumping forward, you're betting that the opponent's not going to be ready for it and ready with an anti-air fast enough. Um, so and and oftentimes you set that up by putting yourself by like drawing their attention away so as nicali i'm going to be right. doing a lot of ground pounds when i see that they're focused on the ground pound and where they're thinking well i can jump at him if he's going to be ground pounding a lot they're if they're thinking about jumping at you then they're probably not thinking about you jumping at them things like that and so you go okay i think i've conditioned my opponent to not be ready for this jump in and then you do it uh, that's compounded by, well, even if they are ready for the jump in, I'm probably, most characters will anti-air you. And then the, the, the risk of being anti-aired doesn't outweigh the reward of getting that jump in. So that goes back mm -hmm. to the whole, well, I'll jump in five times and get anti-aired, but on the sixth one, I'll get in and it'll work and it'll be completely worth failing those first couple of times. Things like that, I, I think would yeah. be like a, an initial and an easy, easy for everyone to kind of see no matter who they play example. One of the things I'll go back to here is um, when John was telling us about, like, you know, Nikali, in terms of him activating V-Trigger, he, he always told us infamously, like, hey, guys, it's not a matter of if I'm going to dash forward, it's when I'm going to dash forward. And so Steven, uh, Dream King, and I are like, oh, great. Like, well, we know you're going to dash forward, so now we're just going to look for that. And so the thought process of us looking for that and trying to react to it in Street Fighter V, it's like... Your reaction buttons in this game, uh, you can react with jabs for sure, but jabs generally don't have that much range in this. And and so those are your reaction buttons when someone's up close. But when someone's in the neutral and they're threatening like, okay, I can dash forward, but I can also jump or I can hit a big crush counter button and get a heavy reward for it. All of a sudden, like you kind of have to preemptively zone basically in this game. Uh, I, I'm thinking of like, you know, like a, a heavy kick or a heavy punch that has good range. It's like that has so much startup and other things. And and with the priority system, like you want to throw that out there when you think your opponent's going to be coming in, when you have a read on their timing. Uh, because if you do it like you have in traditional Street Fighter, like the priority system, the reach, that other stuff, like those moves don't work nearly as well as they used to. Plus... It's hard to get a hit confirm uh, with most characters from from about mid screen and neutral and get much off of it. You know, it's it you know you could hit a medium in you know Street Fighter Four and cancel into a special and you know you know do some stuff like that, get like a fireball and other F things and get a decent. Yeah. 
Yeah, and get a decent reward from it. Like you could actually do that. And this game is like, no, they want you much, much more up close to get that big reward. Like you don't get as much a reward in this. And again, damage is very heavily scaled to, to heavy hitting moves and those jump ins and all that kind of stuff. And it really comes down to a whole risk reward system, as we've talked about many times. That that you can do that stuff in this game, and it's certainly not completely you know gone away. It's it's still valid and very important to do. Uh, uh, John does it with Nikali. He'll do a lot of standing uh, medium punches and you know cancel into his uh, uh, is it disc guidance yeah, move the yeah, hops forward and stuff. You know, then he'll get a knockdown, but it's not—it's not the entire basis of like how he plays the entire round. It's like, hey, I'm going to do this, get a knockdown. Now I'm going to maul you with Nikali. Now I'm going to destroy you because you—you got—you know—you're on your back, and I'm going to go after you type thing. And, and so it's fundamentally understanding these type of things that that's very important to not getting super salty in Street Fighter Five. It's like going, hey, you know what? Maybe these guys talk too fast on the podcast. They they covered like 50 different things. I have no idea what they're talking about. Take a step back from that and go, okay, I need some time to unpack this. I need some time to understand what's going on here and, and, and try to fill it a little bit more. Uh, so moving right along, Street Fighter V is a game of, of very high highs and very low lows because of how brutal the game is and how much it encourages steamrolling your opponents and you could think you've gotten a lot better because you went on like a five or six game win streak because you were just mauling people left and right you got a series of great reads uh, again this is a hard read type game a lot of commitment based and whatnot and you could think you're on to something and you're completely great and good to go when in reality you just kind of got a bit of a lucky streak going on and so th that's the deceptive trap of this game. You have to be very careful with it and realize that sometimes, yeah, you're going to go on a hot streak and just get going. Uh, but sometimes it's not real. It's not going to carry you. If you're, if you're depending on hard reads consistently to get by, you, you can get by for a while. But the long term, like you're going to find people that just basically negate that either neutral or negate it with other tactics that they have where it, you can't rely on hard or reads. Or you win half the time, which is, again, why I think Blanca is kind of smack dab in the middle of the tier list because he kind of is based around doing hard reads at the core of, of what I've seen from him so far. Right. Right. So I... <laughs> I there was a time that the Dream King and I were playing like Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 on online a lot. Uh, um, and I remember the net code kind of jumping out at him as a major issue. And I don't know what people's, you know, like collective experience with Street Fighter V is in terms of net code issues. Uh, I know some people just hate the game and think it has like the worst net code ever. For my experience, I think it's the best Street Fighter game online in terms of net code. I think it's like a good ways above. It generally holds up very well when I'm playing and I play Monat, who's a very technical character. Um, but I, I will just kind of throw out there like net code and then kind of input lag stuff. As much as we try to, you know, diminish uh, the latter issue there of input lag, it is a thing. And, and it is something that that when you're used to reacting and having, you know, um, the reaction stuff we just got into, it kind of compounds this issue that having input leg on top of it, right? It's you're used to being able to get by with reactions. And, and so now you need to be much more preemptive. But now you've got input leg on top of it. You've got an extra frame or two on top of it. And you're going, what the like? Damn it. Like it makes it makes the problem worse is kind of what I'm getting at. Well, when you feel like you've you've performed you've showcased the skill of seeing something reacting to it in time and pressing the button and all of that happens but then it's a frame or two later than it needed to be because of input lag 
Um, right. And you feel robbed and you feel like, yes. well, this is no longer a showcase of my skill versus the other person's skill. This is that plus this, you know, weight on top with this handicap on top, if you will. And that is one of the biggest salt driving forces, I think, that comes out of this game. Yes, 100 percent. And part of that, again, is realizing that this is the way the game is designed. Like, uh, it, not so much the input lag, I, I think that should be fixed, but I mean, again, it's there, um, and other top players are dealing with it, and they're, they're getting through it just fine, and so there's a mental adjustment you have to make, but it's also, there's more there than meets the eye, you know, Transformers type thing, it's, it's you can't just blame it on input lag, because, look, like, if you're playing on a monitor, like, that isn't, like, a top quality, like, amazing monitor, which most people are not, like, you've got a good amount of input lag there, too. You know, and and your joystick. Like I just recently got a Razer Panthera. Uh, I had no idea that the input lag on my uh, Mad Cats Tournament Edition, rest in peace, Mad Cats, was actually higher and, and very, um, pretty much like low grade quality uh, by what's tournament standard now. And so I'm like, oh crap! Like I'm gonna go upgrade it. But hey, like I've got the Super Diamond. I can you know play against some pro players and do okay and whatnot. Like I did just fine, even with having those setbacks before. And it's just a matter of kind of you really have to get past yourself and get over yourself and say like, Hey, look, like these issues exist. What can I do to deal with them? And, and if you're hung up on that, if you're hung up on, on net code issues, and if you're hung up on input lag and other stuff, you, you're setting yourself up for failure in the long run. Like instead of just kind of adjusting to what's there, it doesn't mean you don't ever get mad about this stuff. It doesn't mean that it doesn't, you know, really piss you off and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you're going to get pissed off. Uh, I literally made Dream King quit Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3. That's the story I was getting at because he could not do a fireball plus 2x punch to finish off his combo. Like, I don't know what happened with the game's like leg or whatever, but like he was about to KO me he dropped that and, and and then I you know I punched him and killed him and he was done you know and and he was like I'm done I'm never playing this freaking stupid game again and that was the last time we actually again? no he never did huh. like it was it was like two years or three years ago or something like that I forget the exact timeline and, and um I mean I played an asshole team too that's like that's what I play in fighting games I play like characters that are really gonna piss you off um but I mean again yeah but he was done he was completely out he's like I'm never playing this stupid crap again and I mean, some people do that like you if you do want to get over excuse me these hurdles that that we're going through um this is the stuff you you have to adapt to its crappiness so to speak a little bit the net code is less than ideal uh the input leg is definitely less than ideal uh be much better on the xbox 360 but hey that's a different or xbox i should say in general but that's a different story there but um it, it's it, this is a big part of it um and so if, if you're looking for a game that doesn't make you that salty you might want to play a game of knives with your friend instead because you'll get out a lot more aggression <laughs> in terms of stabbing the other person you'll you know bleed out a good bit and whatnot and you'll have to go rush to the hospital you'll probably be less pissed off at the other person than playing a game of knives it's just this is street fighter 5 it's it's the game is that aggravating in so many regards, especially when you, you're not aware of kind of everything that's going on. And I do find myself now as a player that I'm understanding more of the nuances of this game that, you know what, I'm less and less salty now. Like, I'm, I'm going, okay, hey... This is why this random guy online, like, he kept dashing at me, uh, and now I've learned to do, you know, crouching jab with Monat. It doesn't do much in the grand scheme of things. All it does is check the other player from just dashing in without thought. You can know, I, kind of thinking, uh, can I ask when, in, so we focus a lot on the negative, naturally, and, and what we don't like, and why this game makes us so salty, but can I ask when you personally feel the most rewarded or the most happy uh, the most 
achieved maybe when you're playing Street Fighter V? Like, when are those moments where you're like, yes, I'm having fun in doing this, and here's why? When I don't get robbed are the when I don't get robbed and then but at the same time I love robbing the other player like I know they were going for something and I snuffed them out with like you know a crush counter or whatever and yeah that's that's generally when I feel the most rewarded like it's it's it comes down to kind of like an out thinking and I know I played well you know kind of thing I know I played up to my potential it doesn't always mean winning it just means that I went in there and I played at a good clip and I wasn't playing like garbage because I wasn't thinking about you know the net code or input leg or whatever I just played well and and then I'm satisfied that I I did the best I could for me uh, a specific I was playing in a tournament on Saturday and one of the adjustments that I made was um, a pretty pretty obvious one, but you were talking earlier about catching people with medium moves and things like that. Uh, it was just catching an opponent's forward dashes. With uh, For me, it was standing mm. medium kick. And it wasn't seeing their forward dash, but it was getting like almost a subconscious read on their timing for when they would want to do that kind of a thing. They were Vega players, so I'm dealing with they, oh, have, wow. they have better reach than I do. They can occupy the space better, but because of that, they can also forward dash because they know that I'm going to be worried about a certain space in front of them where they don't have to be worried about my moves. So what I did was... I saw that, and remember, Street Fighter V we're talking about is more on prediction than reaction. I wasn't reacting to their forward dash, but I was getting into a place where I thought, okay, this is a good place for them to forward dash because what they're thinking is I'm going to be afraid of their claw moves because of how good the reach is, so that's going to open up the dash. And sure enough, three or four times I was able to hit that, and when I consciously made the decision to go, okay, do this, be ready with the medium kick, and then stick the medium kick out where you think they're going to be. That's about all you can ask from a player in this game um, Mm -hmm. for the most part. There are some reactable things, but in this situation, it's like stick the medium kick out where you think it makes sense for them to dash forward. They do it. It works. I combo. That was extremely satisfying to me, and I felt a, a sense of achievement in doing that because it was my mental puzzle going up against their mental puzzle and me being on the correct track to counter what they were doing. And then not only did I put it into practice as I envisioned it, but then it paid off. And that whole sequence was very, very uh, rewarding to me, and I was having fun doing that. Now, how often does that happen in the game? Well, the more you can make it happen, the more fun you're going to to have. And I can't necessarily say, well, it's going to happen this amount of the time if you do this and this, but I think that's what you should be vying for. At the same time, Uh, There are a lot of holes in that approach. I could have thought that all out and the player could have jumped forward. And if I'm looking for a forward dash, I'm not going to be ready for a jump. And hey, here you go. And you get jumped in on and that entire process gets washed away. And you go, well, I spent all of my time thinking about this and I just got jumped in on. That's not fun at all. And I feel like I couldn't be ready for the jump because I was focused on the horizontal. And I think that of that, the other side of that coin is it's also very much not fun when your thing doesn't work. You know, yep. when you put all this effort into a plan and the plan doesn't work, this game is is played in the planning room. If you think of like a war, it's like, I'm going to move my troops here because I think they're going to move their troops here. All right, now we do it and now we see what happens. And when it doesn't go your way, you go, well, nothing I can do now because I can't just do an audible and, and quickly fix things sometimes. And, yep. and that in and of itself isn't as much fun. 
and then the execution being. Well, and I would I would argue here just to what you're saying. You say it's not as much fun. It's fun when I it actually works. Th- I think it's more fun because you you can go in with a strategy now instead of just being completely on the. I have to I have to react to everything my opponent's doing. It's like hey. Okay, I'm going up against Scrub Boy 15. I know he loves to dash forward with Kin and, and DP and all that kind of stuff. Are oh boy, um, I'm not going to name another player who loves to DP with Kin because I I, I just put you it in mean such a negative context. That plays Ken ever? <laughs> no, so call him out. No. Yeah, right, no, but anyway, um, so a, a certain player who loves to DP, it's like well. You could have a strategy going in that, hey, look, I'm going to block a lot against you. And they're very good at like getting you to like open up and press a button and do something when they, they're not. They're a tournament-level player. And, and you can go to that strategy, and it can work pretty well. Like I love that. Like It's more strategical than I'm used to Street Fighter being, where you can have a game plan that kind of even lasts like throughout the entire match, and not just like little instances of tech. Like, you know, it's you can obviously study any matchup in any fighting game and, you know, get better at it, but... You can actually have an overall game plan in Street Fighter V and kind of stick to it and have it benefit you like the entire time. Uh, and a quick example of this is actually uh, I was playing John Snicali and and I'm like, you know what? I know you love to dash in. You suck. You're an asshole. And that's how I talk about you know people. Bear with me when I'm playing fighting games. <laughs> it just it helps me. But I'm like. I and I watched uh, other Monop players do it. Like they, they started checking people that were dashing in just with crouching light punch, as I've spoken about before. And all of a sudden, John like just kind of stopped doing it. He's like, ah, he's like, he's like, what are you doing? He's like, you keep checking me with this. Like I'm not used to it. And and you know, before he would dash around like my standing heavy punch, my stand medium punch. Like he would get my timing in a read down, and he would just kind of go around that and blow me up now for follow it. Follow the dead. orb back in when you whiff it. You follow the orb in real quick. Yes. Are you stand around like and you just wait for me to do an orb and then like. Like you, you hit me with super, which I really hate. But anyway, uh, so, oh, but I, I mixed the other other super satisfying thing while we're on the topic, Go backing uh, dash dashing backwards to avoid Minot's crouch or standing heavy punch. So you just dash back with the orb, but it doesn't hit you, and then supering as it goes back in is <laughs> oh, can... top tier. If you haven't done it, ladies and gentlemen, I highly suggest it. It's very therapeutic. And, and I mean that—that's case in point right there. You see, John's like loving that moment, and I'm sitting over here groaning, like, "Oh, I hate that kind of thing." And that's Street Fighter Five. Like this game makes you feel it. Like you feel it in your gut when something goes good or when it goes bad. You know, kind but, of thing. But here's and, the here's the counter to that. When I'm playing against, and this can happen in Street Fighter Five. When I was playing against Titani at Evo on stream, I I won one round. He won four. But mm-hmm. I, I walked away from that feeling like that was super fun. And yeah. the reason why, like, I was getting my ass kicked for the most part, except for one round. And, and, and actually, this, this plays both ways because when I won that round, I felt like it was because I read what he wanted to do and I, and, I, and I positioned myself correctly to counter him. But the things that he was doing to me were, were calculated and I could see them calculated. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's the huge thing. It's like... I was beaten and I was beaten by a superior strategy that was was honed and it observed me and it calculated and then it countered me and I could see that happening. You know, when like if I'm sticking out sweep a bunch and then they position themselves just outside a sweep range and then counter my sweep with a sweep and it's 
it's not a player that's just been hitting sweep randomly a million times. It's like, okay, I can see you did that with purpose. And I was yes. defeated with thought and with purpose. And then when that happens, it still sucks to lose. But you don't feel like I was defeated because the Urian player knows that EX tackle's good. And they happened to EX tackle at one of many possible right times. And it worked for them. And then they just mashed their head on the stick. And they did the combo. <laughs> and then I was dead. Mm. I was beaten with thought. And I, that's what this all comes down to. And there are, while you can play it, it, thoughtfully... Yeah, yeah, let me let me jump to that actually. Now, do you fundamentally think that that mashing in those situations works at the high the, the level of play that, that you and I are at? Do you think that actually will work? Do you think that I, I, okay, I'm I'm Urian and I'm gonna throw this out there like it works sometimes, right? And so you're gonna do that move. But do you think that's like fundamentally a strategy that that top end players that beat us do? It won Capcom Cup 2017. Really? Okay, uh, describe the moment. Uh, oh, hey, Mena RD, you're talking Mena about Mena RD right? versus Tokido. Okay. Um, okay. Mena RD played Street Fighter V very well. We talked about it. We set it up um, earlier in the podcast. He put himself at positions where certain where the risk and reward were in his favor, and he did them. And that is a legitimate skill in and of itself. My, he deserved to win for doing that. But they just as easily could have not played off in his favor and he would have just as quickly died. And so it's like you doing that kind of stuff is it doesn't feel like I've countered this player and I've done exactly what, you know, like I haven't seen what his mental process is and gone and directly countered it. I've done this thing that will probably work. And it did. And then like the right. risk reward is so in my favor as Birdie and Akuma life go and things like that, that um, that it, it played off and, and, and I won. But okay, so I don't no, feel I like he saying. was playing smarter than Tokido. Right. So I get what you're saying. He's basically he's putting himself in advantageous situations where Tokido can't counter him that easily. And it's like I'm doing good moves over and over again and I'm going to win because you're not countering him. To boil it down, probably to oversimplification, but does that seem kind of fair, at least on the surface? Well, like, like he walks up, like Birdie's Zonk, for instance, you know, like you right. go up and you do it and it's like, if they push a button, it works and like, good, good, it did, you know, but if they don't, you're dead. And it's like, right. And, right. but that, but the emphasis in season two birdie or particular, I guess it would have been season 2.5. He had so many moves where he could just do it. He could just do the EX bull rush and, and there was no real risk to it and things like that. Yeah. And so, and, and, and okay, I should differentiate Mena is established as a good player. He's a thoughtful player and it very well probably was the case or it was the case that he was more thoughtful in his performance at capcom cup than the average birdie that you're going to run into online but his play at capcom cup looked incredibly similar to an average birdie because so many birdies will just rely on those super good high reward low risk moves and there's no way for us as a as the recipient like as the person playing against that player or an audience to discern whether or not that was the right call because he's intricately analyzing his opponent or because it's a good move and I'm going to do it now because it'll probably work. And if we can't so discern that, me, we can't appreciate right. it as much. I agree. Now, my counter to that would be Men RD is a footsies master. 
and people want to, you know, like uh, people are probably rolling their eyes right now. I can hear them all like, you know, it's uh, but he is fundamentally so good at controlling space with Birdie, who is not a good space control character. He does not have the normals or other things like that. And what you will see from NRD when he's really on his game is you will see him walking back and walking well, forward well, and controlling space. Hugely reaching normals that are that are very cool. very slow. Yes, very but for slow. how far they reach, they're amazing. Yeah, it, now they're amazing to some people. And the Monot matchup, those normals are not amazing. Monot kills that character. Against Nikali, they're really good. Uh, I, I've always kind of felt that Birdie really beats up Nikali in that matchup pretty well because, again, he's just his, his range on his normals and the power that they hit with really give Nikali fits. But. Anyway, point being, Mena RD will will walk in ranges and and really do a great job of controlling space where he's highly effective and you suck kind of thing. And he is so good at kind of pinning you down with a character that does not have the greatest of walk speeds until he activates V-Trigger and does not have great great normal controlling things and he just has a way of manipulating you and and deceptively putting you into a range where you start to feel comfortable and all of a sudden you've got an ex dolphin dive that just knocks you out kind of thing and his reads on people's timing and his approaches with it it's so clever he lulls you into a false sense of security and then he destroys you because he's not going in there with, with birdie because and just hitting normals all day long they're very timed they're very calculated and i can see his approaches very logically coming into play uh it, it's it's where I, I fundamentally disagreed with a lot of people who said you know men rd is like a fluke type player and he won capcom cup on like a whatever type thing it's like you're not seeing how clever he is with the character and he's been downloaded a bit here in recent times like i'm, I'm seeing that much more um and again, if we if we change this conversation up and say like this is Abigail now versus Birdie, I'm probably going to be on the other end going Abigail's stupid and I hate him and all that kind of stuff. And there there's a lot of salt that comes with a bad matchup because your options for countering someone who who has the tools that they have like their their tools might seem very very stupid and ridiculous to you. Um, even even in the video I was watching uh, with with Tyrant and Pax, they were talking about how to counter, counter Abigail when you're in the corner, and they're like, okay, just do like a late EXTP. I'm like. Guess what? I don't have an EXTP with Monat. I don't have this option. So my option is to sit there and take it over and over and over again and die. And and that's probably not a good matchup for Monat. Uh, some people, you know, they're it's arguable, you know, who wins that type thing. I don't know. Personally, I think it's Abigail. But that character makes me so salty because my options for dealing with him are so damn limited. And I kind of feel like I could be wrong here that Nikali has a lot of the same issues here with Birdie. That Birdie has so many fundamentally things. Like he doesn't have to think as much when he plays Nikali. I think that's hands down a very fair thing to say. He has so many moves that are like basically overpowered in that matchup. He's like, I'm just going to do this, and you have to eat it because you don't have any options. You don't have any recourse to deal with it. Well, I have to get into his face, and then it really sucks for him. And his anti-air is very good, so that uh, yes. covers one of the avenues in. But I actually think Nikali probably wins that matchup, um, wow. having having okay. explored it. And and again, Birdie got nerfed a little bit for season three, so um, he doesn't get to do as much of the stuff that he used to do um, for free. And so it might have changed from season two point five to season three. But um, yeah, I mean, Nikali has a harder time in the neutral because Birdie has far-reaching. Um, high priority normals because he's using his heavy normals or his medium normals, you know, and, and they, they go so far just because he's such a big character. But so, yeah, I think um, Birdie will have the advantage in the neutral, but once I get into his face, um, it, it really, really sucks for him. And so it's just a matter of, like, countering all that. And then when he has me 
um, on the defense and he's in my face threatening either strike or command grab like that sucks but it also kind of just comes down to a 50 50 right and so I, I want to come back here and just say th- this this argument John and I are in you know using the word argument kind of loosely just going back and forth and whatnot is a perfect example of what we're doing with Street Fighter 5 right now we don't know we don't know if Mena RD was, you know, the the dumbest, you know, like birdie player of all time, and he totally lucked like Tokido out. I don't think so. I don't think it's the case. No, of, he, you know, did, he did an amazing job of playing to the like to he he boiled Street Fighter Five down and he boiled his character down and understood it, which is what you are asking of a player is to understand the game that they are playing as the game that they are playing. And he didn't try to make it Street Fighter Four or Street Fighter Three um, and, and and these things that all of us are, are prone to try to do. And that's a huge source of our salt. He analyzed this game and played it to its strengths perfectly, so much so that he beat Tokido, you know, on and, the grand stage. And now... And now he's struggling like heck to get top eight in tournaments. And, yeah, and I mean, the he after got figured stuff, out. Things change, right. yeah. Yeah, he got figured out. And, and the nuances of this game, like, that's what I'm saying with this is we're figuring this stuff out too. And we, we have to stay humble with as much as we figure out. Like, look at how much Street Fighter Four evolved. And I use that as an example because it's, it's the closest example we have to a game that we played for almost a decade and, and how much stuff we discovered with it. It was like... When, when Ultras first came out, you know, like everyone was like, oh, these are so overpowered and, you know, they take off so much life, like you're doing 50 or 60, you know, percent of damage and all that kind of stuff. And then we kind of figured out that like, hey, look, like against a lot of players, just bait the random Ultra. Uh, like that's going to get you like through most of pools uh, when you're when you're running across people, because eventually, you know, that random Ultra is coming out. And then like four or five, six years into the game's lifespan, like people stop doing random Ultra. And then it became a thing again. <laughs> like it became like, oh, hey, you know, we're seven or eight years in. There's no way that Justin Wong is going to do a random ultra here and, and like grin like the Cheshire cat, like, 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 you know, he just, he won something amazing and yet he does it and he gets it with Rufus and Rufus does this horrible dance and I'm dead and Justin Wong has moved on in tournament. And I'm so salty, you know, kind of thing. Like it's, there's a lot to figure out here and there's a lot going on. There's more that meets the eye, you know, and, and that's why these back and forth discussions are good. I'm not saying like, Hey, you know, meta RD, like, you know, this or that or the other kind of thing. It's like, it's just more of, this is what I saw. Here's what John saw. Like let's compare and contrast and try to learn and get better and realize that it's an ever changing game. Uh, as great as meta RD was last year, that, that late, you know, 2017 run that he had. Oh, so much fun to watch him play. Uh, maybe, you know, he he's gotten derailed now, you know, and maybe he's going to pick it right back up. You know, the year before Knuckle Dew, uh, and before that we had Tokido and Infiltration. They looked unbeatable. Like, and now Tokido's back on top. Like he's figured out some stuff with Akuma. It just there's a lot of stuff to process here. Continue to talk about it. Continue to evaluate it, but realize that you don't have as much figured out as you think you do, and that goes for for myself as well. And, <laughs> and there's so much out. yes, continuing to float out there in the ether. Um, where you have to, you know, realize that you don't know as much as you probably feel like you do and that you should have that humble approach. And really what it comes down to are, you know, how many things can you actually quantify or articulate and, and really do it on a detailed level and, right. and use as an evidence in one direction or another for an argument. One more thing I want to say on this front about why Street Fighter V uh, makes us salty versus I think a big part of it is the the lack of feeling of reward that we get the frequency mm-hmm. of reward and that's yes. not to say that there isn't reward we just talked about a situation that i could articulate this is where i feel good when i put a when i come up with a strategy i implement it and it works 
and and that's that's really cool. Okay, so there's a point for Street Fighter Five. Well, I go okay. In Street Fighter 4, um, I've been playing a lot of Evil Ryu when I play, and hitting an Evil Ryu combo that has multiple one-frame links, that I feel a very similar, maybe even more so, feeling of satisfaction, because that's awesome. Um, and and so there's, of course, what I just laid out about Street Fighter 5, putting a game plan into, into practice, I think that plays out in virtually any fighting game you're going to do, because... Uh, prediction and reaction um, are, are going to be in, in all of these um, games. But if just looking back at uh, a moment everyone knows, moment 37 from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Daigo, uh, for those that don't know, Chun-Li's super, you can't react to it, which means yep. he had to be pushing forward. He knew that Justin wanted to do that. So part one of moment 37 was him predicting. He was pushing yep. forward, predicting that, Justin was going to do it. It happens. Now he's got a parry. Is it 15 hits of that super? Um, and each one of those parries is, I think you have a 10 frame window to do it. So he's got to do, um, you know, this ex- exhibition of skill in order to um, do this parry. And he does it. And then he executes the... Uh, uh, just, to, just to interject here, just so people know, if you watch that video closely, you will see Daigo tap forward multiple times where he thinks Justin Wong is about to super. Like it, 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 not just once. Like he was, he was reading it multiple times. But yeah, so he gets prediction step one, uh, yep. execution step two, and that is you know the most notable moment in fighting game history. Uh, and mm-hmm. and th- it's like how often do like predictions going to be in all fighting games? But execution is not as much like in core A gaming, core A's gaming where they anal- analyze that particular happening. They go, you can do the same thing in Street Fighter Five with reuse parry to Chun-Li Super and you can just dance on the on the stick with a marumba beat and it'll still work like you'll parry the whole thing and mm. and like that so that's why it's not as cool to do it in Street Fighter 5. Now if someone did it in tournament, I'm sure that the crowd would get into it, but it's nowhere it's not going to be a moment that's I like you know, defining um you know Street Fighter history like moment 37 was. So my thought from all of that is that Street Fighter 5 has some uh, places where it will be satisfying, but right. it has fewer places than games like Street Fighter 4 and Street Fighter 3 from what I've personally seen and experienced thus far, and losing in any fighting game is going to suck, right? So it's, it's, it's guaranteed salt, but it's hard. It's not guaranteed satisfaction when you're doing these kinds of things. And what I fear for Street Fighter 5 is that if your argument, when you've, when you've analyzed all avenues, and if your argument comes down to, well, it's fun to win because winning is fun, then that's not enough to make a game good and worthwhile. I'm not saying that's the situation with 5. I've just identified one specific avenue where it's specifically fun to do something and rewarding. But if it doesn't have enough reward then the salt is going to overcome it and i think that we haven't (laughs) focused enough on the rewards or or found the rewards and maybe the answer to that is well because there's not enough rewarding things to outweigh the salt um but that's something for the community to continue to explore yeah and maybe we're just as you say not far enough down the line here and we need more time you know we need more i i i think of this uh player named kai not this is not killer kai the the marvel player um this is another kai player who's a 
Uh, yes, you know who I'm talking about, oh, SoCal yeah. Kai. Yeah, um, he actually was notorious for when Street Fighter Four first came out. Uh, he would play El Forte just to troll people. And he would say, like, look, don't play this game. It's stupid. It's a dumb game. I'm going to use this troll character and do really well, and I'm going to random you out. Play Street Fighter Three instead. It's a much better game to play. And that's what he was notorious for for the first, like, I don't know, two years playing the game or something like that. And, I mean, you'd see him in, in Wednesday Night Fights. You'd see him in tournaments. Like, he was placing, and he was doing well. And, and he would sit there with this disgusting smirk on his face the entire time he was playing. And, and when, when, like, Ferte, like, like gets you in his, like, loops and whatnot, and you look over, and the guy's just sitting there smirking about how dumb the game is and whatnot, it's aggravating. Yet, Street Fighter Five or Street Fighter Four, it it held up over time. Well, even we in realized, that, Al Forte was doing an infinite that not everybody could do, you know? Yes. Uh, and that took a lot of skill to do in and of itself. Um, yes. And he was one of the most frustrating characters, actually, by far, though. Yeah, yeah, and it, it it took time for people to wrap their head around the magic of the game because parries were so incredible. You know, Evo Moment 37 was so iconic, and people wanted that again. And it's it goes back to the rose-tinted glasses we've talked about before. It's like, those days are gone. For for every Street Fighter Three moment you hear about, like, there were 15 Chun mirrors, like, sandwiched in between them. And so, yeah, if you, you were able to actually make it through a tournament with, like, you know, like, five chun mirrors in a row you know kind of thing like yeah those moments hit harder because that everything else surrounding them was so much more boring um but now it, street fighter 4 did a pretty darn good job of, of putting the game on the map i think street fighter 5 is very watchable and very good even though some people like to play rock paper scissors maybe while matches are going on i i personally enjoy the you game but i think it's great the matches. <laughs> uh no <laughs> not actually outside of it but yeah um <clears throat> we, won't, we won't talk about that but, right. uh, but yeah uh, <laughs> but anyway it's it, there's a it's not that people are wrong, you know, kind of thing when they say, look, like Street Fighter 3 is so much better than Street Fighter 4. It's like, that's your opinion. It's different. You know, and yeah, it's different. And, and that's kind of what we're getting at is, is be humble with your approaches here. Like, enjoy the game for what it is. Realize you probably know a heck of a lot less than you do. Um I mean, it's just, it's uh, to go back to your, your uh, talk there about stuff like, again, John has bodied me a number of times. He's, he's a good bit better of a player than I am in Street Fighter V. I just recently, you know, got up to a decent level with Monat where I'm actually able to compete with them and do some stuff. I'm very happy about that. Um, but like a huge victory for me was actually just stopping his dash ins with Crouching Light Punch. Like, and I, I remember him pinging me afterwards, like, you suck, you know, kind of thing. Like he said something that like, I think it was more diplomatic than that, but like he was frustrated by it. He's like, hey, I'm used to dash in and you stopped it. I'm like, yes. I'm like, I finally figured out like one thing, one major thing in this matchup that was was stopping me from winning, and that was extremely satisfying for me. I think and, my and, text to you afterwards was, uh, "This is my official two weeks notice, and I'm going to go apply <laughs> at SRK." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that that sounds about right. But yeah. Uh, but anyway, but he kicked my ass right afterwards, and I. But I was so okay with it, and the fact that I know I did better, and the fact I know I improved, and and with the limited time I have to play the game, I felt so very satisfied about that. And there are those experiences there in this game, um, and you you need to look for them. They're not necessarily readily apparent especially for all the reasons we discussed before if you're used to a prior Street Fighter game or other fighting games in general this is very much its own beast here and but once you learn to tame it kill it whatever analogy you want to use here there's a very satisfying experience waiting for you yeah and I've talked a lot of I've taken a lot of stances against Street Fighter 5 in my comparisons today and what we've talked about I don't hate the game um it it may or may not be my my most favorite, but I am playing it, and, and I do enjoy it, and I do find fun things about it. 
and that's what I'm looking for right now. And all the, the you know the smack talk that I've brought up against it thus far is more just, well, here's an example of where another game was fun, where this game doesn't seem to be. But it's more of a scientific, like, let's test this hypothesis. Let's see if we can't turn that on its head. Let's figure out the fun parts of Street Fighter V and be able to quantify and articulate them so that we can talk about why it's why it's positive and such. But under the banner of why does Street Fighter V make us so salty, I think it's apt to talk, to talk about these things and such. So bottom line, I don't hate the game. I enjoy it. I play it. Um, and, and, and ultimately, you should kind of play it in a vacuum in the sense of like, don't expect it to be these other games. We've said that before, but I'll remind you again because it's very important to do that. Um, but we should, you know, also learn from the past and, and maybe there's a direction that we can slightly tweak it in or something in the future that would make it more fun, more rewarding, something like that. But it still very much is entitled to have its own identity and be its own Street Fighter. Yeah, it's uh, we already had Street Fighter 4 redone and Street Fighter Cross Tech and, and it did not work out. You know, it's uh, we needed a new game. We needed something else out here. And again, I'm hearing the typing sounds of just like 50 people tweeting at me, like really angrily, <laughs> like Street Fighter Cross Tekken, like had like such a devoted fan base to that game. But uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, this game is going to make you salty. This game is going to piss you off. And, and I again, I, I've I've had close friends like and it's like, well, guess what? We just played this game. We're not friends anymore for about five or ten minutes and we're back <laughs> and we're playing again like, you know, a couple days later or something like that. That's part of this game. But try to dial that back a little bit when you play. Try to like accept that that's a part of this game and, and the reality it presents for all the reasons we just laid out. And, and you know, and then kind of come back to it a little bit. You know, it, it, it will help you in the long run. You'll, you'll feel better about where you're going as a player and kind of the direction of the game and what Capcom did here if you, if you take a step back from things. Well said. Well, that's about all I got on the subject. I got to go uh, cleanse my body of all the salt. Yeah, me too. So, <laughs> Well, thank you guys right. so much for listening to yet another uh, episode of the podcast. Uh, we'll jump back to the mailbag epi- or part of the uh, the podcast soon. We uh, we have some more stuff to talk about from uh, user submitted or listener submitted uh, questions and topics to talk on. We just kind of ran long today. But, uh, but yeah, send us in your, um, your thoughts and things that you want us to talk about. Tell your friends about the podcast. Share it on your MySpace and your Facebook, all that good stuff. And uh, any last thoughts from you? Uh, yeah, just uh, jump on Twitter if you guys can and, and tweet at us. It's one of the best ways to get in touch with us, too. Uh, we have both look at our Twitters like all the time, and uh, we're happy to see your feedback there. And the, uh, we check everywhere, but our Twitter is a thing that we respond to the most and whatnot. So uh, mine is CatalystEH, uh, and yours is? Velociraptor, but then it's a one instead of the I. Yeah, and uh, he was in grade school when he made his Twitter account, so you guys just have to you know, bear with it him. It was like, already was... <laughs> taken, and I needed to do something, so I changed the I to a one because it's a standard practice. I don't know why I get so much flack for that. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thank you again so much for tuning in, and we really appreciate it, and we'll see you guys soon. Adios, guys. <laughs>